Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. For the last episode of 2021, and as we prepare for 2022, we thought we'd reflect on the advice given by our most popular guests. We hope that after listening to the episode, you feel as inspired and motivated as we are for the new year. Sarah, Shanley, Hope, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom, it can be personal or professional with the audience, what would it be? I think the biggest advice that I would have is increase your comfort with being uncomfortable, with not having certainty or control, but, but showing up anyway and listening and learning in real time. Um, I think that the more, um, you know, the more each of us can lean in to the transformations that are underway, whether, whether we like them or not, um, the better. So yes, uh, lean in to discomfort, let go of control, be okay with uncertainty. I love the idea of being okay with uncertainty. Have you heard of VUCA, volatile, uncertain, chaotic, and ambiguous? That is the mantra. That is the framework. Brad Hunstable, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom, and it can be professional or personal with the audience, what would it be? Well, if you're an entrepreneur listening um, and you want to start a company, <clears throat> my, my biggest piece of advice is going with eyes wide open that it's a lifestyle. Um, it is a lifestyle choice. Um, you will be, you have moments when, when people are going out and you're not. You'll be working weekends. It's, it's a full-time gig um, and you need to go into that and if you don't if you only do it for the money um, you're not really passionate about what you're doing then it's not going to be fun um, and, and you won't succeed more likely than not um, and you're just not going to be happy um, and so if you have something that's really important and you're passionate about it and you're willing to take a chance and 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 work through tough times and not quit and many times when you're about to quit but you just drive through it and and know that it's it's a lifestyle um, then you got, I think you got a chance of success. And that's usually what I, I tell people who are thinking about getting into the, getting out of the corporate world and starting their own company, which, which can be very fulfilling, not for everybody, but, but can be very fulfilling, but also will be, 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 be a journey. And that journey can have a lot of bumps and backwards and up and down and be crazy. Um, but, 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 but if it's meaningful, it's probably worth it. Ralph Shami, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? would be um, tomorrow cannot be like today. Tomorrow, we need a new way of thinking. We need a new way. We need a new paradigm. And that involves a change in our behavior to go back to the natural world from which we came. Only then, only then, will we be able to live in a sustainable and prosperous way for all. That means all humans and all creatures, big and small. Josh? Aviv, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, and it could be personal or professional, something relating back to your journey, 
what would it be? Um, it's never too early or too late to start a startup, but I would say, you know, with that in mind, um, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You need to be both feet in, 10 toes down, committed towards growing your company. Um, I would say my one piece of advice would be just make sure if you're going to start a startup, be dedicated, be passionate, um, and really be focused on solving a problem and making sure that that problem makes this world a better place. H.G. Chazelle, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Recently, I think the, the thing for me is has been always taking time to appreciate how limited the time we have is because it's such a great, uh, you know, I think it's Viktor Frankl who says, imminent hanging strengthens a man's wit or sharpens a man's wit. Just embracing our impermanence, there's a lot of freedom in doing that in terms of letting things fall or settle that are distracting you from what you really are going to be most proud that you accomplish with this brief gift that you have called life. And if you don't have a practice for embracing impermanence, it's so easy to forget that and think that this goes on and you get to call the shots of when it ends. And I think that to me always helps center me when I really get in touch with with impermanence and the gift of life. Jason Jacobs, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, people people come to me for advice a lot, not because I'm super smart in these areas, but because I've found a way to have impact and hopefully the beginnings of what will be a livelihood in an area that I wasn't an expert and came in without much uh, foundational knowledge or connections. Um, so, um, and so people feeling that way, what do they want? They want to talk to someone who recently made that transition successfully. And you can't call my transition a success, but it's, it's like, it's at least turned a corner into something that could grow into a success over time. Um, and I, I think, you know, they say, should I get a job or should I read a book or should I go to an event? Or And the answer is that it matters much less where you start. It matters much more that you just start. Uh, and and a lot of it comes down to you and what's going to feel most natural to you, where you are most intellectually interested, um, uh, you know, what, what you ha- uh, are, you know, what feels less forced in terms of your ability to stick with it and, and experiment. Try different things, do more of what works and, and less of what doesn't. And if you're the kind of person that feels like you would be more fulfilled to get a job and get some experience and then build from there, then do that. If you feel like you're the kind of person that wants to just get a lay of the land and keep your job and nights and weekends, just educate yourself and start to have some discussions. And so you can be more informed about where to anchor before you pull the trigger on your employment, then do that. Uh, so it, I think it, it comes down much more to the individual um, and I do think it's important that people are honest with themselves uh, about um, identifying what is the most natural path for them, but they should also just kind of uh, give themselves permission to not have to have all the answers. Dr. Graciela Chichilniski, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? That you have to believe in yourself and whatever you want to do, if you believe in yourself and you have a clear idea Go and do it. That's what I think. Sky Delmeda, if you could share some advice, could be professional or personal with the audience, what would it be? Oh, I think it's not my advice. It's, it's advice. It's a piece of advice that's been rattling around in my head lately. And it's something that are you, I don't know if you're familiar with Peter Diamandis, Raj. He's, he's an entrepreneur. I, do you know? I am. I've read his books. Yes. Okay. 
So, um, you know, he talks a lot about taking moonshots and I guess for, for the benefit of your listeners who don't know Peter, um, it's probably fair to say he's a techno-optimist and maybe he's a little too optimistic for some people, but I think we could all use a little optimism <laughs> right now. Um, and I, I really like the way he approaches disruptive thinking and, you know, he knows on a personal level and in a business capacity Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, Larry Page and Richard Branson. And he spent a lot a lot of time looking at what all four of them have in common, you know, what are their common traits. And one of the things he concluded was that all four took plenty of what he terms moonshots, meaning that when their peers were thinking about incremental growth and incremental improvement, these four were were shooting for the moon and disrupting entire industries. So they were, you know, they were the ones pursuing the the so-called crazy ideas. And, and Peter has a nice quote that, you know, the day before something is a breakthrough, it's a crazy idea. So I think the the advice that he gives really distills down to instead of thinking about 10% bigger or 10% better, think 10 times bigger or better. So he says that 1,000% is 100 times greater than 10%, but it's generally not 100 times harder to achieve. And, you know, it's really these 1,000% improvements that, that have impact and that's the scale of impact that we need to address climate change. So I've really started challenging myself to think bigger in terms of impact and and I guess that's the piece of advice that I'm focusing in on, on at the moment. Catherine Von Berg, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? <laughs> I, I have been asked this question actually in Germany by some young women who were looking at me as if I had answers perhaps because of my age, perhaps because of the position with the company. Um, But what I said in that moment has stuck with me and has really changed the way I look at how I process information. And really, it's to quite simply trust your gut. There is so much information that we take in that is not conscious. And I think there is sometimes... Um, an underestimation of the power of one sense of things and the ability to trust kind of a, an intuitive level. And what I have found through the years when I have completely dismissed what I knew on a visceral level because I allowed my uh, heady arguments to come in, um, very often it, it was not the right decision. And I have seen over and over again when people really trust their gut and what they know on a visceral level, because again, of having that information without consciously processing it. And that certainly played out in business decisions um, with this company. Juan Verde, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? You know, I... uh... I've worked with a number of wonderful, wonderful, very prominent individuals from President Obama to Al Gore, Hillary Clinton, or even um, Senator John Kerry. And, and I've always seen certain traits in all of them that, um, that that's probably what, what, what that, that would be the advice I would give to people listening to us. Uh, to me, they are men and women I greatly admire because they all share three things in common. They are people that feel passion for what they do. My mom used to say that if you are lucky enough to find 
a job you can be passionate about, you'll never have to work another day in your lifetime. And I completely agree with that. That is something that I always saw in each and every one of the people I just mentioned. They were so passionate about what they did. But they also, and that would be the second piece of advice, um, they all, um, we talked about pride, and that is very, very important. But there were also people that were willing to take risk and were not afraid of failure. And that, to me, is also something that I greatly admire in people that are trying to be successful in their endeavors and uh, do well. And lastly, I would say that every single one of the people I've mentioned tonight um, are all people that always found a way, always went out of their ways, I should say, give back, give back to the Middle East, give back to their country, uh, to help others. They felt an obligation and a responsibility to do that because they believed that individual success does not exist. We make it when we make it always on the shoulders of, of many others that paved the way for us. And so that, that would be it. Those would be the three ideas I would share with you. Mark Conte, if you could share some advice, and it could be personal or professional, you could be speaking to your students, some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? I think our, our access to, I was going to say information, although I'm not sure that term is accurate, but our access to content online and the ability for people to get kind of immediate support, although there's also immediate blowback over the past few years, I think has been critical in, in bringing to light several issues that have plagued society in the U.S., but also globally in terms of racism and sexism and misogyny uh, and all of these things that have really come to the fore in the past few years and the importance of maintaining respect for ideas in our interactions and not dispelling things off the bat. I think the balance that we have to strike when trying to address these problems is our willingness to be careful and to really think deeply about issues and also think deeply about other people's experiences because some of the some advice you give to someone, whether it's in our research context or in any other context, may come from a good place, but may not really resonate with them. And so I think as we're trying to come up with solutions to make life on this planet as pleasant for all organisms living on it as possible, is to really be mindful about the value of different perspectives, but also to distinguish uh, perspectives that are based on sound and meaningful ideas versus those that may not come from a great place. So really, this is a long-winded way of saying, I think we want to be evidence-driven in your decisions And that relates to data and policy, but also relates to interactions. And it requires people to relax some assumptions that they have about other types of people and be more informed by their interactions with people and and relaxing uh, the natural tendency to kind of go back to these preconceived notions. I read a quote recently, and it said, the greatest distance between two people is misunderstanding. Steve Schmida. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? I would say, you know, um, I think, you know, as I was saying before, I think I am an optimist and 
I think thinking about the world as, yes, we have a lot of problems we're facing and, and, and they're serious ones, but always keeping in mind that, that, you know, we do have the opportunity and we're empowered in so many ways to, to solve them. And I think along those lines, you know, I think it's important um, for young professionals in particular, right, to be very, very intentional as they're picking their career paths. Right. Because if you want to be if you want a better world, you have to position yourself. You don't have to go out and be an activist, although that's a great thing to do. I'm not degrading being an activist, but there are many other ways. You There are so many ways with whatever skill set you have that you can be part of the solution. And I think thinking of yourself as having a role in the solution to some of these challenges, I think is really, really important because then that gives you the energy to drive forward. It, you know, and 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 gives you a, a more optimistic and positive outlook. So I, I think those are some some thoughts, um, some initial thoughts. As a dean, Downs, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? And it could be professional or personal. You know, I, I think on a personal level, I would I would say, and I know it's more difficult to do than just saying it, but try not to become overwhelmed. Try not to become overwhelmed, particularly for for younger people who look at all of the bad news that comes out every single day um, and and then translate that into, this is not a world I want to see my children live in. I don't want to have children. I don't want to bring anyone into this world. It's a very, very dark vision of, of the world. And it's very easy to become overwhelmed. And, you know, people will often ask, well, what is it that I can do? And I think that Making a connection, however small it is, to nature, whether it's you know planting a small garden or thinking about what the birds need or what the the butterflies need, um, or even the rabbits when they eat the the tulips, which drives me out of my mind. But um, <laughs> there are things that you can do. There's 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 decisions that you can make, and you know, and it's like, well, you know, you know, think about what you buy and, and things like that, and the impact that it has. But you know. If you live in a place that that has civil society, think about what it is that you want for the world, and don't view it through an economic uh, lens, which we're also often we're we're forced to do that. Um, but you know, when you think about the sustainable development goals, for example, you know i I think about this a lot, and I think it would be better if we said sustainable health goals. You can have development, you can have all of those things and still lose your health and the and the planet's health. Um, but what is it that you're doing when you when you use your voice to to support you know policies and politicians and regulations? Um, if you have the ability to do that, and not everyone around the world does, but if you live in a society with a, with a civil society that allows your voice to be heard, think about Think about your health and the health of the planet before you think whether or not it has any economic value. And I, I think that if we all did that, we would have both. And you can start small and don't become overwhelmed. Don't become overwhelmed by the bad news every day. Um, you you know, there's there's all sorts of analogies of throwing the pebble in the pond and the ripples and things like that. But, you know, 
when you read about the bees or the loss of the butterflies or pollination, things like that, plant a flower. Plant a flower that butterflies love. Plant a flower that, that bees love. Um, make that small, that small step. Um, and, and that you can do anywhere you are. Kelly Herring, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Um, I think what I would say is that we need all the help we can get in solving the, the climate problem. And what I've heard a lot recently from people is asking me like how they get into climate. Like how do I get into climate tech or how do I switch industries? And I feel like there's this barrier that just really shouldn't be there. And I'm not sure what exactly is causing it, if it's just natural for people to feel like switching industries is hard. But the climate industry is growing. Um, and it's like just starting out, like over the last couple of years, we've really been building it. And of course, there's like the physical and the important implementation of like actually finding a company that you can use your skills. But I don't want that concept of going into a new industry to be a barrier for anyone and for anyone to feel like their background or their experience has somehow led them from led them or stopped them from being a part of the the climate solution and so I encourage you to think deep into what experiences and it doesn't have to be like a perfect engineering experience or a perfect background in marketing or communications that is going to get you there. It's really like, how can you utilize your background and provide value in in this effort to solve this giant problem that we have and to not be held back by the concept of starting a new industry or maybe your background wasn't exactly perfect or how you've always dreamed it would be because it's all important and it all serves you in some way, shape or form. So um, yeah, just kind of keep at it and keep searching for how, what your your part of the solution is. Shante Harris, if you could specifically share some words of advice, and it could be personal, it could be professional, words of advice or wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Yeah, I, it makes me think of a, a a quote. I know it's a probably widely shared quote, but it was said to me by someone I just truly adore and respect. And what was said to me was, you know, I can't remember the exact wording, but it was something along the lines of, you know, don't let other people's like sometimes other people's ceilings are your floor and that's okay. And I think that's for me been really important because sometimes I, or not even sometimes, a lot of times I feel that as a young African-American woman, I've found myself in places and rooms that are doing really big things where I, where I have decision-making power and I'm able to move the needle on such important conversations and topics and recognizing that I'm both grateful and excited and that me wanting to dream bigger or do bigger things are okay as well. So that, you know, there's, there's a duality of being able to say I'm grateful for what I have now and the opportunities that have been presented for me. And I have this desire to have an even bigger impact um, or do bigger things because I see, you know, bigger solutions and opportunities. And that's been really important to me because, um, one quote that I believe it was my grandmother, if I'm not mistaken, introduced to me at an early age. It was just, you know, don't dim your light for other people. You know, don't make yourself small um, for other people. That if you if you ever start feeling small where you're at, um, that it just means that it's time for you to find a place that's bigger for you. But you know, not not feeling like you have to be smaller for the sake of making others comfortable. And so uh, that would be, yeah, that, that would be advice I, I'd give people. You know, I've, I've ended up in 
amazing places and opportunities. And I've, I think, you know, staying humble is really important, but also recognizing your gifts and leaning into them and, you know, wanting more when you feel like you've maybe outgrown your current situation is, is fine. It's okay. And I think it's also, it means that we're doing something right. So yeah. Catherine McLean, if you could share some specific advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Oh, um, I think it sort of goes back to the very beginning of the conversation before you started recording, which you said, you know, what can I do to help you? And I think that that would be my words of advice. You know, I think we all have a tendency to think about ourselves first, which is natural. But I think it's about thinking about others first and how you can help others. I think that's really been the game changer for my career is, you know, by helping, trying to help other people. I've always had people really go out of their way to help me. Uh, you know, as I, it's karma, just having good karma. John Friedman, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Well, I would say, you know, one thing that I have really held with me since I entered the workforce uh, as a as a smaller, younger person is that usually the person on the ground knows the most. They might not be the most refined. They might not know the language or they might not know the vernacular that you know. But the person doing the work is probably the person that you should take take notes from. And we try to, we try to live that ethos, um, but I see a lot of businesses losing sight of the person who's actually doing the work is, is probably more important than the person on top, the person who's, you know, running the company. And I think that's something that it's just a mind, mindset shift that um, is happening more and more where people realize that maybe we don't need all that. I don't need five managers on top of this one person who's the talent. And so I would suggest that anybody who is in the investor world or startup world and or at any level of business, don't lose sight on the actual work. Venki Kinney, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Well, um, my advice to anyone listening in is to figure out what your purpose or calling in life is. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to quit your job and suddenly, you know, uh, go out on a mission. But a true calling is one where you can combine your passion, which is what you love doing, with your skill, what you're good at, with a bigger purpose in, the, in, in, in life. And that could be anything. It doesn't have to be that you want to solve world hunger, but it could be something like you want to spread art, or you, want to, you want to make a difference in the lives of children, or you want to you know, do something in your neighborhood. It doesn't matter. But whatever it is, have a bigger purpose in life than your own self or family needs. And combine that with profitable model where someone's willing to pay you for doing that. So essentially combine your passion with a purpose, with a profit, and with prowess, which is your talent or your skill. So the four Ps of passion, purpose, profit, and prowess is at the intersection of that is where you'll find your calling. And... Uh, it may take a year for you to figure it out, or you may already know what it is, and then start moving on that journey. And uh, you'll find that it'll give you a new sense of renewed energy and focus and a reason to wake up in the morning and do something every day. Zeka Lent, if you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, what would it be? Well, I mean, <laughs> it, it may seem perfectly um, you know, obvious and, and non-interesting, but 
I, I would just say doing the right thing is usually not that hard to really figure out if you're asking yourself the right questions. And if the right thing, if the right thing is in front of you and it takes a little bit more effort, I'd say it's probably worth doing. So I always just try to encourage people to find their right thing and kind of lean into that. Um, and it's worth it. That's, that's kind of like the positive encouragement I'd like to give. Katie, worth. If you could have the ear of the Secretary of Education or leaders in education, what kind of advice, if any, would you give them about teaching climate change in schools? Well, what I would say is the idea of climate change and what people need to know about climate change has been reduced to these 10 words, basically. It's real. It's us. It's bad scientists agree about it and there's hope. And so like those five points, you know, there's a scientific consensus, it's happening, we are responsible for it. It's bad and then that we are, you know, there's hope that we we can make progress against this. Like if a kid can walk out of school with that information, then they're set up to understand more deeply how it will affect their life, how it will affect their politics, how it will affect uh, their job prospects. And, um, and so what I think that the way that you teach kids that is not just, you know, once in science class, but talking to them about it in social studies, civics, history, English, um, there, New Jersey just adopted some new uh, academic standards that has it even in math and in physical education and in computer science. So like, you know, like little bits of it throughout an education at a developmentally appropriate, you know, ways, not, you know, teaching second graders about, you know, uh, carbon dioxide parts per million, but, you know, like getting them prepared to understand the world as it functions, um, you know, is, it is possible and it's such a relevant, it will be so relevant to their life and it's such a actually really useful tool to understand the world. Um, so I think um, that's one piece of advice. And then the other piece of advice is something that Frank Neopold told me. I think I was telling you this offline earlier, but right now climate education is 99% problem and 1% solution. And young people want 20% problem and 80% solution. So you don't need to beat kids over the head with how bad things are, but you do need to get their brains and imaginations involved in finding ways that we can survive and thrive um, despite the crisis. Sharina Perry, if you could share some advice, and it could be professional or personal with the audience, what would it be? You got to always keep in focus what your goal is. And be open to not being so narrowly focused that you're not paying attention to the broader opportunity, but also not be so broad that you're not seeing where you might be being guided or directed. And um, that you have to be paying attention to um, changes. Pay attention. If I'm going to give advice from the business world, people that... um, were stuck and didn't weren't paying attention to the market that they were in or the industry shifts, things like COVID and lack of um, resources in their supply chain 
create a challenges for them and their business not know how to pivot. Avoid get doing that by constantly paying attention to um, information in the market segment that you're in or the industry that you're in. Also, this is the best time, I believe, for young people, for minorities, um, people who had felt disadvantaged. This is the perfect stream of time and place and time to be able to make an impact. And I encourage you to tap into what's inside of you and not believe that there are these barriers that will prevent you, but um, use the free information that's given. We have a, an access to a lot of information through the internet, now through social platforms. I encourage you to, to tap into those things to create the tomorrow that you want. Corey Glickman. Jimmer rules to live by, <laughs> painful lessons learned. Um, so um, often when I, when I talk to people, things that I've learned. So I think one of the most valuable skills that um, a leader or a manager can have, and a leader should be at all levels, is the ability to make decisions. And this is not an original concept or thought, but it's something I thoroughly believe in. So the very best thing that you can do is make the right decision. The second best thing you can do is make the wrong decision. And the third thing that you can do is not make a decision at all. That's worse than making the wrong decision. And so often I think about that um, when we go through there. Um, I also constantly think about how, how to reinvent yourself every three years, whether that means you have to move to another company or just reinventing yourself within that company. Um, I know that we have a tendency to say, well, what's my career path? And you know, we work to certain KPIs and goals across there, but I've never in my career ever worried about what my next role was going to be. Um, I always have been able to create my roles, and I found other individuals can do that too. Um, you can make yourself be very valuable um, to a group of people or to companies um, and also align it to things that you want to be doing um, or things that you think are important through there. Um, so I think that's really important. I think it's also important not to freeze in time. So if you get very successful at something, you need to always look for a new challenge. Um, that's part of that reinvention part. Um, often we're victims of our own success. We tend to do things very well, we get continued work in that same direction because we're known for doing those things well, and then you end up, that's what you end up doing. Um, so how do you not freeze in time, which means you should step aside sometimes and let others, um, you know, take over the lead, even if you might think you might know how to do it better. Um, that's never really the case. Um, if we think about it, um, you know, when we're most productive. I know I kind of hit my stride somewhere between the ages of 27 and 35. And that was many years ago where I could say I was having an impact and getting enough control that I felt I could take credit or work with teams to do so. And I think sometimes we forget as we have longer careers now in society that there's a whole generation of, of individuals that are coming out that um, have to be given leadership roles. And they you don't have to wait till you're 45 or 50 to say, I, I can lead a group or a division. So it's important not to freeze in time. Um, and it's important to, I'd say, manage up and manage down. Make sure the people that are working for you have the incredible opportunities that you've had. And then how do you manage upwards You know, to constantly you know push management up above you because we're all in line somewhere um, to continue to change um, as needs to go across there. Another lesson is just because you're capable of doing something doesn't mean you should always do it, <laughs> right? <laughs> so <laughs> there's there's lessons there that I won't go into. Um, sometimes, you know, we're a company that 
feels we can build everything and anything, and I think we can, but it doesn't always make the sense to do so. Um, so I think that's important to understand ecosystems. I think also um, nothing is ever perfect. It never will be perfect. Often when I'm asking groups to solve in hackathons, uh, I do a lot of teaching with uh, students and grad students. We'll give them a problem set to solve in three or four days. That'll be very complex. And I'll say, the first thing is, is make sure your technology actually works, which is kind of against what you think designers would say. But if the technology is not working, then everything else won't work because you can't trust the data or anything that's happening across there. The second one is that realize that once you start solving for a problem set, you're never going to have enough resources or time that you thought you were going to have. So you're going to have to think your way through that. And if you do it, you're probably going to end up with a better design anyway, right? Because you're forced to constraints. And then the third is to make sure that your ideas are big enough and bold enough that they're going to survive, you know, all the challenges along the way. And that's what's going to keep it going across there. So understand that nothing is ever perfect. And those are the realities of life. I think you'll do pretty well most things that you try to do. Um, just one more. So diversity and inclusion. I know those are hot words right now. Um, because of um, sustainability and what we're looking at from the ESG perspective. But I made a conscious decision after working for some of the world's largest corporations um, to join a company that wasn't Western-based or Western European-based. And I intentionally joined a company that had a very different culture um, because I felt that it was a time for me to um, look at the world differently. And I would recommend that to everybody that you should constantly be looking to challenge yourself and um, see through other people's eyes of what's going on through there and be very open to it. And I think you'll grow better for it. So those would be the lessons that I've learned. Neka Chabuli, you could share some advice or words of wisdom to founders that are seeking funding. Yes. The first advice I have for founders is not particularly exciting or unique, but I would say just know know your product, know your market, understand why someone would use you um, rather than the status quo. I think it was uh, Sun Tzu that says, um, know your enemy, win the battle, know yourself, win the war. Um, there, the markets that we're in are constantly changing. Um, and therefore, you know, unfortunately, on top of running your business and leading operations, like you also need to understand exactly where you fit in the value stack and make sure that you're creating a revenue model that's going to make money for you long-term and not just, you know, at the very beginning um, and find ways that you can partner with people so you don't have to do everything by yourself. So by the time you talk to myself or another investor like me that you're ready, you know yourself and then the parts that you don't know, we can work on together. We can strategize for the future. Um, I think the founders that I've met who are so passionate and know their business in and out, it's infectious and you want them to succeed. Even if their product doesn't fit you know, what your investment firm does, it's like this person is passionate. This person's done the research. They know their business. There's a product market fit. Who can I call to pass along this deal to to support them? Um, I give that advice to anyone on any type of business. Um, and then, especially in climate tech, there's so much more funding, um, non-dilutive funding, grant funding, governmental funding that's out there. I recommend everyone, please, please, please take a look at this and see what resources you can get a handle on um, as you're building your business. Um, 
so that by the time you're coming for dilutive funding or looking at debt or talking to investors, you've kind of gotten a hold on, you know, how large can I grow this entity on my own and potentially get to a level of revenue where you don't have to dilute yourself as a founder as much as, you know, people potentially did in the past. And then figuring out where you can lean into, you know, uh, specialty programs that give you preferential status in terms of procurement. So we know that there are a number of municipalities that have been looking at uh, carbon sequestered concrete first before they look at any other concrete um, when they're building out municipal projects. So uh, understanding, you know, what the ecosystem looks like on the regulatory or municipal basis for your technology as well is a good way to get your foot into doors that would normally be harder to enter into. Sunny, Sunwork, if you could share some specific advice, words of wisdom with the audience, it could be for entrepreneurs, it could be for personal, professional, what would it be? Yeah, so I mean, for entrepreneurs, you know, I would have, um, I, the one thing I would, you know, want people to take away is that, you know, the 30 under 30 stuff or kind of overall like youth level stuff, don't let that, don't let that create this urgency of you have to pick what you want to do for the next 10 years before the end of the month that creates an external pressure that I, I don't feel like needs to be there. Um, I think, you know, take your time really understanding what you're good at, obviously, and what you want to do, but like what value do you do kind of take pride in, in in doing like I could do you know SEO obviously as an early company you have to do a lot of things there are certain things I enjoy there are certain things I don't enjoy but then there are certain things that I look back and I value figure out what that aspect is it could be thematic it could be good at product dev it could be kind of a functional area right it could it, it could be a, a industry space hey I'm pretty good at Buying low, selling high. I don't know if that's helpful, but that's what I'm good at. That's what I enjoy. So going through that process early on, either as, as an entrepreneur or as a professional overall, take your time in understanding that and you know, don't let kind of arbitrary requirements stress you out that you're not where you want to be. And you know, don't think that it is that one thing that you're good at and you know, you're going to ignore everything else. Sometimes you're good at two, three things that have nothing to do with each other. But if early on you say no to path two and three, you kind of kind of miss out the future that could have been if you kept those other things that you enjoy as part of your toolkit. Um, and the last thing I think maybe not so popular is, you know, I think everyone wants to be good at a lot of things. And I think that's kind of almost the human psychology that I want to be good at four or five different skill sets because they're all equally good. And I think that makes sense and that's there's some merit but find what you're really really good at and be even better at that one thing because um you know at the end of the day you you have you know mathematically have two choices you could be a generalist at a few things or a specialist at, at, at one thing um so what it might seem antithetical to what i said earlier picking two three things that you're really good at you know it you believe it You've tested yourself out in very high-stress situations, highly dynamic environments, and try to hone in skills for those specific things um, because, you know, that that is the contribution that others in society need. So you need, people need somebody who could really do a couple of things really well 
that hundreds of people that could do a hundred things sort of well, because there's no differentiation between hundred people trying to do those hundred things. So for a professional and for an entrepreneur, kind of being honest about what role you play, what role you like to play, and what role has the most value, take your time and really understanding how those things come together and, and don't be don't don't be under a time crunch or some sort of arbitrary requirement to just pick one and then commit to ten years of of doing that because oftentimes it's not the uh, you don't have all the information yet to make that kind of a long term stance on something. Julia Armstrong Danyezi, if you could share some advice, words of wisdom, recommendations even with the audience, it could be professional or personal. What would it be? I think the biggest lesson um, is what I was talking about is that. In the face of innovation, and in order to really bring big changes in the world, innovation is built into that process. For people to remember that there always will be others who can't embrace those changes for whatever reasons, and to make sure that those naysayers aren't given power, but the ones that support that vision and can help with the practical steps of making, taking that dream and making it a reality, that those are the ones that, that are listened to, that are embraced at some level, um, that are incorporated into that innovator's life and company and process. And that is, you know, we do need each other and we do need that support. But I think that's, that's really important. Our world kind of drives itself. You know, the media often focuses on what's negative, what's going wrong, um, what to worry about, you know, fear-based news in many ways. So it's easy for our brains to focus on something that is a negative piece of feedback far more than it is easy to focus on the positive feedback. So I think watering the seeds of the positive feedback, nourishing and nurturing that is just really critical in being able to sustain our own vision of how we can make a difference in the world and just stay with that. And through thick and thin, through hard times and good times, to really be able to stay with that. Julie, I think nurturing and watering the seeds of positivity is a great place to end. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter, where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech, green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.